there are lots of lousy businesses, and there's lots of wonderful businesses. It's the art and science of money. My job has been to try and figure out which is which. It's Hi-Fi Radio from the Global News Radio Studios in Toronto with Hi-Fi Portfolio Managers. Here's Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle. Well, happy Saturday to you, my friends, and welcome back to the show about money. It is Hi-Fi Radio. I am your host, Wolfgang Klein, Portfolio Manager. Uh, to some wonderful, wonderful people, I shall say. My right-hand man, of course, Jack Hartle, uh, here to help the cause. Uh, yes, money is intimate, my good friends, and Jack and, our, Jack and I take a very intimate approach to taking care of our people's money. Uh, good piece, Jack, from Howard Marks, uh, uh, published this week. Uh, read, read through half the report. Uh, you and I are obviously very, very big fans of Howard Marks. Actually, so much so we bought his stock, uh, Oak Tree Capital. Um, I like to align myself with very, very smart people. Let them do some of the heavy lifting for us. That's why we own Moody's. Warren Buffett has a big stake in that business. Um, yeah, and when uh, and when Brookfield took over uh, Oak Tree, which was owned by Howard Marks, uh, we continue to hold that name because you know we're, we continue to be aligned with Bruce Flatt, and he's continued to show that he's a, a compounder of wealth, and uh, you know that's what we try to do for our clients over the long term. You know, ultimately, I think that that is the way to make money. Last week, we spoke with uh, 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 Mr. Heffel um, of the Art Exchange, Robert Heffel, I believe his name was, and uh, he said, you know, if you want to make money in art, you have to think really long term. Um, you know, the, the long-term trend for equity markets, 99% of the time has been from lower left to upper right. It, it, it's in the right direction. Uh, it's the noise, it's the emotions it, that, that gets people shaken out of positions. Um, you know, a lot, a lot of fear mongers out there right now. And my friend Rabin Ahmed uh, sent out a tweet um, about one of her guests who thinks that uh, uh, the end is nigh and that we have to prepare ourselves for... Uh, you know, uh, tougher times ahead. Uh, if you look for that, though, anytime you look for a, a tough or a very difficult uh, media story out there on the markets, it won't be very hard to find. And the problem with those stories is at some point they will come true, right? But you can potentially have a big opportunity cost if you're scared away from risk and risk assets over longer periods of time. Because like you said, over the long term, risk assets tend to outperform as long as you buy a good quality, diverse basket of equities, fixed income, real estate, even art, like you talked about. I, I do encourage listeners to, to uh, dig up that Howard Marks uh, uh, letter. Um, it's, I guess it's a monthly letter that he writes, isn't it, Jack? It's not every month, but he does write regularly. And I know that uh, when Warren Buffett gets his letter in the mail, that's the first thing that he, he reads. He, right. He said so, that multiple, multiple times. Yeah, so so, when, you've so got, when you have Warren Buffett's here, you know, you might want to pay attention to what Howard Marks is saying. Yeah. So, so Howard Marks, again, said, look, a, re- a recession is going to come. He is not going to try to guess when it comes. He said, because that is a complete mugs game. Uh, the, the, the longest run in economic prosperity in history has been 10 years. And uh, this month will mark the 10th anniversary, uh, to, according to most pundits, um, of this economic expansion. So it's, it's that 10-year time frame, I think, that has many uh, uh, strategists concerned that, well, time, uh, the time is up, uh, time for it to crack. But again, uh, what's the old saying about time, Jack, with respect to the market? Um, bull markets don't die of old age. Uh, they die when you run out of money. They die when valuations get, stressed, get stretched. And most importantly, they die when liquidity dries up. Uh, <clears throat> what I mean by that is when money is no longer available, when ma and pa can't borrow, when businesses can't borrow, um, you get yourself a, a seizure in the system. Businesses can borrow. Who was a Kier Facilities, Jack, uh, the oil services company out in Calgary? I couldn't believe it. They just issued 50-year bonds uh, yielding 7%. Uh, you and I spoke about that. A rise in interest rates of 1% would knock such a bond down roughly 8 
18%. I'm saying roughly. It's called the duration of a bond. Uh, interest rates go up 1%. A bond like that would fall 18%. If interest rates double from here, Jack, in the next 50 years, we talked about that. Because I think in the next 50 years, interest rates will at some point double. The same way we're going to have ourselves another crisis of some sort. We're going to have another recession. And we're going to have another period of extended prosperity. Uh, so everything is cyclical. But when, well, when companies can raise money, my point is when companies can raise money, for a 50-year duration at 7%, uh, I think there is lots of uh, liquidity uh, in the system. There is, for sure. And you also look at where we're at in the interest cycle because uh, Howard Marks talks about that a lot in one of his recent books as well. Uh, he talks about cycles, not being able to predict them, but sort of knowing where you are within the cycles or having at least a rough idea so that you can position yourself accordingly. So I would look at this Caribbean that you're talking about and saying, you know what? Interest rates are at cycle lows, meaning valuations are at cycle highs for fixed income. Do I really want to buy a long duration? What that is is a bond that is really dramatically affected by changes in interest rates. rates. Do I really want to buy a long duration bond at this point in the cycle of interest rates where, you know, they've come down this year, which some people really didn't expect that. Uh, Although we had multiple strategists that did say interest rates were going to come down because the market was forecasting it. But even, you know, at these levels... I don't think it's a good long-term bet. I just don't. I well, again, someone bought the bond, and I, I know who would be buying that bond, and that'd be the institutions who need to match up long-term liabilities against Absolutely, long-term yeah. cash flows. So, you know, if if a pension fund has a pool of uh, retirees and they need an income stream for the next thirty years, such a bond would work uh, in in small amounts, so that when it does go down, because at some point it will correct as interest rates rise, they can ride out that volatility. But that certainly is not a bond uh, for the average investor out there who wants to make seven percent. Hey, we. Right. Right. And co- I would say it's not just it's not just the duration risk that you take with those types of bonds either with corporate bonds. You're talking about a midstream oil company, so they do have credit risk, significant credit risk as well, right? You're not talking about a AAA government bond here. The reason why you're getting seven percent in this interest rate environment is because you are taking some risk. And now, the, do, you, do you want to talk a little bit? Because again, staying in the energy space, Jack, because you and I are very underweight oils right now. We own Suncor and we own uh, NR. Plus and uh, Suncor. We, we own Pembina too, and we own Enbridge. No, so so my point, yeah. So we, we own two little oil stocks, well, t- two big oil stocks, specifically Suncor. Uh, that that's the only oil stock. If you want to own one in Canada, I believe Suncor is the one you want to start with. Maybe C and Q second. I like Suncor because they have the uh, downstream assets, which are the Petro Canada retail outlets. Um, but the uh, the point is, yeah. So we put some money recently into some Enbridge, and we put some money into uh, Pembina Pipe. Uh, again, the thesis behind buying Enbridge is we're getting a very handsome dividend of about 6%. um, And we have ourselves hopefully some predictable cash flows. But again, the space, you can see it, is not without risk. Um, As predictable and as stable as cash flow is, uh, you take a knock-in crude and the pipes feel it as well. Going to go to commercial break and get right back to Hi-Fi Radio, helping you with your money uh, on AM 640 Global News Radio here in Toronto. Don't go anywhere. There's more great show after this. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Yeah, rain on me. Come on, bring it on. Bring me some rain. I'm going to do a rain dance. I'm going to be contrarian here. Uh, see what a contrarian is. is someone goes against the herd. So if you want it to rain, ask for sun. And if you want it to be sunny, ask for rain. That's what I'm trying to do here. Uh, so I'm going to play rain songs for us the show and see if we get some sunshine coming out of it. It is Hi-Fi Radio. Uh, yes, being a contrarian. I'll tell you, it's been raining on the oil patch, uh, which is not a good thing. Uh, the, the Western Canadians have been just... Dis- 
having such a challenge. And no end in sight, the word that we have learned, Jack and I, is egress. And it basically means bottlenecks. It means you can't get the stuff out of the country. It's, it's a name that uh, all Canadians should know. Uh, and the, obviously the ones out in Alberta and the West are aware of it. Uh, and they're seeing the effects. But we here in Ontario and Quebec too, uh, Quebec especially, they get transfer payments from Alberta. So the fact that we can't get our oil out at fair prices. Yeah. Makes it so that a lot of Canadians don't get some of the services uh, that we really want, right? Well, the TSX, again, I, I go to that because that has about a 20% energy weighting. It's unbelievable that our index, our, our Toronto Stock Exchange, 20% of the of the market capitalization on it remains oil. If you look at the S&P 500, energy, I think, represents about 6% of the broad S&P 500 in the United States. So, And for, or, I would say for our portfolios, we look at the North American market for the most part. You know, as a Canadian investor, we're way underweight, way underweight energy. Doing, and the names yeah. and the names that we do own, we're sort of hiding out in, like you said, the Suncores or we're hiding out in Enbridge. So the ones that are obviously the largest, safest and North American uh, in terms of exposure. Well, again, I think with those pipes, you know, there is a positive catalyst that we can see far on the horizon. It's not and, too and, far. I don't know, Jack, but it's those, <laughs> three, it's, it's, it's those three projects. And, uh, you know, if we get any kind of uh, positive outcome there, and I think at some point we will, we, although we probably miss this cycle, um, you know, the West will have another leg higher. When uh, I said it wasn't too far on the horizon, I think political change in Canada is what we need to get some of these projects underway. Because right now, the federal government that we have in place is not conducive to getting well we got an election they're, coming they're, up this they're not year, very so. happy uh, and they don't uh, they don't help canadian oil that's for sure no but uh, as jack indicated uh, we, we we are very very underweight oil uh we did buy uh, a little bit uh enbridge uh, at these levels again with the six percent dividend um if you know if you're retired if you're nearing retirement if you need income from a portfolio um these are the types of names you need to look at uh and again you just don't overweight them just a small position in, in a name like enbridge won't hurt you but to be able to clip over six percent and get the dividend tax credit that has an interest equivalency of north of seven percent and i would take i think the dividend from enbridge over that seven percent bond that we spoke about earlier with uh kier Kier, well the expectation is that enbridge is going to grow their dividend over time they historically have grown their dividend over time Uh, we're going to have cineplex on very shortly uh it's a movie company it's a monopoly in canada that over time they've grown their dividends and those are the companies that you want to you really want to own as an investor over the long term because as long as sales are growing earnings are growing and dividends are growing those are all the fundamental things that help you compound your wealth over a long term. So again, these ideas are retiree ideas. They're people entering retirement or soon to retire, or people want a little bit less volatility and also people who want some Canadian exposure. Um, but I want to pivot, Jack. Uh, let's just speak to the audience a little bit about uh, the new sector that we have uh, uh, forayed into, um, and that's the global payments business. Uh, again, as, as the world goes digital, as Brittany, our, our main producer, continues to play on our little phone as Jack and I are recording this very, very powerful high finance show here, we're going to be getting back to her because she's a newly married. We're going to be having a whole discussion on what newlyweds need to do on finances. But uh, the point of the matter is the world's going digital. More transactions are taking place vis-a-vis our cell phones. And as such, you're seeing strengthen the likes of Visa, MasterCard. Uh, and as such, I shall now share the names that we just purchased, which is um, PayPal and, and Fiserv. And, and, and Fiserv. So both of those companies... Uh, 
are means of facilitating digital payment. Fiserv uh, basically acquires merchants, deals with processing of the payment, uh, deals with settlement, deals with a whole lot of things behind the scenes. But these things are software-driven businesses. They're tech companies more than they are finance companies. Um, and of course, PayPal, we all know. Um, and what PayPal has going for itself is trust. And if you're trusted and you're in finance, you can have the first advantage. And that's, I think, what PayPal has. They also have scale. They have the network effect, right? They have Venmo that we talked about. So peer-to-peer transfers. So the more people that they get on that platform, the more people that are going to be using it. Yeah. yeah so they have a lot. Speak to Venmo. No, I want you to speak to Venmo a little bit because it's not available here in Canada, but obviously it's very popular in the United States. Very, very popular in the U.S., building out the network. And really that is uh, one of the key drivers for growth over the next couple of years in terms of monetization of that asset. But for now, it's been a bit of a lost leader for them. Because they're building that network that we talk about. So it's very important if you want to, you know, peer-to-peer transfers, um, the leader in that space will have uh, obviously the most users. Just like Facebook, you talk about all the big tech names out there. Scale and network effect is huge for those businesses. It is. But again, these businesses that Jack and I are speaking to, uh, the businesses that are involved in in, in payment facility, payment transaction, um, there's very good growth in the industry, but it comes with a richer valuation. These businesses are trading at around 35, 40 times earnings. That is very expensive. However, um, they're on what's called a secular trajectory, and the growth can in some ways, justify the current valuations. The market obviously likes it more than it likes Enbridge, more than it likes Cineplex. So, yeah, when you pay up for those stocks, you just have to remember that you are paying for future growth. So you want to have high probable outcome that that growth is going to come true. Otherwise, you can have what's called multiple contraction. Yep where obviously uh, the market pays a lot less for that dollar of earnings because the earnings growth did not come true. Jack, you know, you, you couldn't have put it better. And so the key is diversity once again. Uh, Jack and I take a barbell position. We have some value, which are all those high dividend pairs we're speaking about. And we have some growth that's working on tomorrow. And you can tie Amazon into that whole equation. You can still keep Facebook in that equation. Uh, I like that stuff as well. I think that's where we're going to continue to see some outperformance growth over value i think continues to rain on me uh more hi-fi radio right after this let's take a break but after wolf and jack will continue their in-depth discussion about money you're listening to hi-fi radio from global news radio 640 toronto Welcome back to the show. It is Hi-Fi Radio. Yes, your fidelity there was uh, some theme music for the Avengers. Uh, we have uh, Gord Nelson uh, on the line. He's the CFO, the Chief Financial Officer with Cineplex, uh, a stock Jack and I have held now for about two years, I should say. Uh, we've held it in the past and sold it and uh, bought it back on what we thought was a little bit of a downtick, but it went a little bit lower on us. But uh, we're collecting a nice a dividend of north of 7%. Very, very generous. But you know, people don't go to the movies anymore, they say. Nonsense. You know, this is amazing. I got this uh, report uh, in my hand, Gord. It's, uh, it's basically a 10-year snapshot of your financials. And uh, going back to 2008, when you did about $850 million in revenue, is that correct? 
And now you're doing $1.6 billion in gross sales. Is that correct? That's correct. Those are impressive numbers. To double your business in the last 10 years when everyone was going to Instagram and Facebook and they don't go to movies anymore, you doubled the business. That's pretty impressive, my good friend. Um, and the company continues to make money. Like Your return on equity, your return on invested capital are two numbers I really like. 6% return on invested capital. What that means, friends, when a business has an extra dollar and if they invest it back into their business, and they can generate a return on that money, obviously north of a GIC, north of a T-bill. They're, they're actually in the chips, we shall say. But So 6% return invested uh, capital is a very, very good number. And the company is not expensive, obviously because the share price has fallen, but trading at around eight times cash flow. Uh, gee whiz, Jack and I own some tech stocks that trade at 10 times and 15 times revenue. Uh, so uh, people not going to the movies, let's talk about that, Gord. Well, I mean, I, I thank you for playing that uh, theme song. So Avengers, uh, which was just released a number of weeks ago, um, not only was it the top uh, grossing weekend of all time, it's now, um, in a short period of time, hit the number two North American grossing film of all time. That's unbelievable. So, so when content's out there, people want to come out and share an experience. And, and um, you know, I think, uh, you know, and, you know, we look at what's going on recently with the Raptors, too, is with all these Jurassic Parks across the country, you know, people want to get out of their house. They could watch that at home, but they want to share these experiences with others. So. Well, yeah, no, let's speak to that because you obviously opened up your theaters. Um, to somewhat, uh, how many theaters did you open up to view the uh, Raptors game? If you can't make it to Jurassic Park, or obviously can't be fortunate enough like Jack, who's actually got tickets to the game. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Yeah. Or, or you don't want to sit out in the rain. How's that? Yeah, so, yeah. so that's actually really smart. That, that's a smart move. 33 of your theaters uh, were opened up to, to, to watch uh, Game 6. That's very, very cool of you. Um, and you know what's even smarter? I'm a shareholder in your business. I get it. They're going to buy popcorn. You make as much money selling popcorn as you do gross theater tickets for the most part. So that's your concession business is a cash cow. I love it. Well, it's part of the experience, and it's part of the indulgence. And when you go out, um, if, I mean, if you're like me, you can't resist the popcorn. So No, you have to have the popcorn. Uh, tell me something. Last time we spoke, in, in fun, but it was actually, you know, there's probably some truth behind it. Uh, I know a few kids, my own included, who have ventured out to have uh, one of those Uber Red services deliver, deliver some popcorn. <laughs> How much popcorn do you actually sell through uh, food delivery? It's actually I mean, it's not a huge amount in, in when you look at the over $400 million of concession sales we have. But, um, I mean, the interesting thing is, as you mentioned, your kids is, you know, it's the kids who have the Uber, the parents Uber Eats account. So it's, it's very, <laughs> no kidding. They do. It's, it's fascinating around exam time when, um, particularly on exam time in the universities, when the deliveries, uh, you know, we experiment, we piloted in London, Ontario, and it was pretty crazy. Some of the orders that were coming in late at night for popcorn and um, and drinks. We're speaking with uh, Gordon Nelson. He's a CFO with uh, Cineplex, uh, a stock that Jack and I own in our uh, balanced and conservative portfolios. It's a, it's a nice dividend pair. The stock is cheap. Um, it's going, unfortunately, slightly in the wrong direction. The trend is not our friend right now, but I think patience is in order. I think we will be vindicated uh, with this. I say the important point with that, Wolf, is the price is not going in our direction, but the fundamentals... Um, the sales, the, the, the revenue, the profit, the, like you said, the return on equity, return on capital, all that stuff, highly predictable. Sometimes you get weakness in the, in the, in the stock price, but over time, the fundamentals do align with the tacticals and the fundamentals still remain relatively strong, despite the fact that people are saying that, you know, less people are going to the theaters for 
for that experience. But again, you know, as a business owner, the fact that the you know the the average not excuse me the average concession price is is north of ten dollars. The average movie ticket is north of ten dollars. Um, you're obviously generating good uh, return uh, on your investment, shall we say? Uh, at this place of business, but I like your little tie-in with uh, Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment. Um, do you see the business doing more of that? Because as Jack mentioned, um, and Jack is obviously a much bigger sports fan than I do, but again, the experience, it is all about the experience when it's live and sharing that experience with other people. Especially sports and live sports. And that's one of the reasons why the cable companies have been able to hold on for so long is because they get you know that live feed and stream that people want in in high definition and, and good and yeah. exceptional quality, so, right? Yeah. So are you doing that, Gord? Are you taking care, taking advantage of some of those cord cutters out there? Well, it's really, I mean, what it's all about is it's, it's, you know, when I think of the movie theaters, I always think of them as, you know, places where people want to congregate and share an experience. So whether it's a Hollywood film, whether it's watching the Raptors on, on the route to winning the NBA finals, um, or whether it's... Um, opera productions, whether it's esports events, whatever it is, we just need to con- kind of continue to find those reasons why people want to congregate and share an experience. And there's tons of reasons why people want to come together. People don't want to stay at home, particularly the men- millennials when, you know, they have very tiny condos typically and, uh, you know, they can't they can't uh, open their, their places up to sharing with their friends. Well, yeah, we'll talk about the rec room because uh, I think that's part of the strategy behind the rec room, locating it around a lot of condos where you don't have a rec room and you such you use yours instead. And I also want to talk to you then about eSports because Canaccord Genuity uh, is at the forefront of e-gaming and eSports. And I was in Berlin about a year and a half ago and I saw a big eSports convention taking place. So again, it brings people together. Uh, obviously, you're all about the experience. Uh, we are speaking with Gord Nelson, the CFO of Cineplex. Yeah, people don't go to movies anymore give me a break uh more hi-fi radio on global news radio 640 in toronto right after this listen we're gonna take a break but when we come back more money talk you're listening to hi-fi radio from global news radio 640 toronto Welcome back to the show. It is Hi-Fi Radio. Wolfgang Klein, Portfolio Manager, your host of the show, co-host Jack Hartle, also Portfolio Manager. Yes, him and I work very, very hard with our team helping manage people's money, helping protect it, helping to grow it, helping to compound it, and looking for quality ideas. We always look for quality ideas. Nothing fancy, uh, diversity. Uh, Sometimes your names work and sometimes they don't, and then when they don't work, you got to figure out what to do with them. Uh, You have to punt them and get rid of them or you hang on to them and, and wait for uh, greener pastures, which often does happen. Uh, it's incredible. The The movie business uh, is what? Hollywood film, 80 years old? Uh, well, I'll just ask Gordon Nelson, CFO of uh, Cineplex. Uh, how old is the industry, Gord? It's really over 100 years old. It's 100 years old. Yeah, so so what, what do we want to talk about then? Because, uh, again, the Atkins diet, I think it was, was going to put McDonald's out of business because people stopped eating beef uh, and they weren't going to eat burgers anymore and uh, they're going to put out uh, Krispy Kreme donuts. Uh, there is product life cycle. Uh, you know, I'm a business grad and I study product life cycle and all good days come to an end. Um you know, we are people we like to gather. And it's funny how you're positioning your business right now about experience because we as people like to gather. And, and the bigger the crowd, the better. Uh, 100-year-old business, where do you think the industry is going to go? And I'm speaking about now because what Hollywood likes most is what you do. They want their product in 
theaters so people have the full experience, the sound, the the visuals, uh, and the, shall I say, uh, oh, hue of fine, fine popcorn in the So air. that's what Hollywood wants, but the new content creators, you look at Netflix, you look at what Apple's up to and Amazon, they're going direct to consumer and they want to have them see the, the, the content in their home movie theater that they've set up, which is a 70-inch flat screen TV plus surround sound and all that stuff. So they're spending a lot of money on content. Uh, and it, it is challenging the movie industry without question. And yeah, the, no question. The theater yeah. industry. That, that's what he the, says Well, the us, content yeah. that they're putting out is amazing. It is good content. Right? So, 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 so speak to your business then. Um, again, as an investor, because I, I like to buy things for the long haul. And you have doubled your revenue. We spoke about that from $800 million to $1.6 billion in the last 10 years. That's very, very impressive. Gord, where is the business going um, in the next five or 10 years? Yeah, so it's interesting that you made that analogy. So what we find is the, the platforms that you mentioned, so like a Netflix and Amazon um, and others, what they're tending to produce and doing a very good job at is kind of episodic content. So what would typically we would have watched on TV. So if it was, you know, if it was Cheers Thursday night or MASH. Or, yeah, yeah, it's House of Cards now. It's Orange is the New Black. Now we're not watching those programs on on traditional TV, and and we're we're watching, and and that's what Netflix excels at. I think if you looked at their stats, I think about eighty percent, you know, of their viewership is episodic content, not movie content. So the movies are are somewhat of a lost leader to get people to subscribe to the service, and they're in a battle right now too because the studios are going to pull their content from Netflix. And offer their own over-the-top platforms. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, Disney's already made that announcement, yeah. so that's coming down the pipeline. Well, look, look at the Roku stock. Eh? There's a stock that's up, what I think, 240 percent this year. Um, so, over-the-top is certainly the moving in the right direction, as is, of course, streaming. Yeah. So when we look at what we do, is like we kind of say, you know, what convenience watching something at home. Um, you know, that's potentially something that we don't compete on, but we keep compete on experience. So, if you want an experience. You want that big screen, the social experience. That's where you come to the movie theaters. And like I said, with with films like Avengers, you know, breaking all kinds of records, as people are craving that. Uh, well, what are what are the other big releases uh, that you're looking forward to this season? So we got Toy Story four coming out in um, in a couple of weeks, and there's a new Canadian character who's uh, voiced by Keanu Reeves. So that should be exciting for us Canadians. Uh, we got a Spider-Man film coming out in July, a live-action Lion King, which should be exciting. That should do particularly well. Um, there's a Fast and the Furious. Um, it, too, is coming out. Joker um, is coming out in, in the fall. Another Terminator, where an Arnold's going to come back. Uh, <laughs> Arnold! A frozen. Can, can, we, can you tee up an interview with Arnold, please, for Hi-Fi Radio? Yeah, okay. I'm sure he'd like to speak to Wolfgang, you know? <laughs> And then Jumanji, and I know you started with the theme of Star Wars, but um, and those are the big ones. Um, I know you guys are music music fans, and one I'm interested in particularly is a film called Yesterday, which I'm not sure if you've seen any of the previews for that. But um, you know, it's sort it, of it is Beatles. Is Britney's dotting her head like I wouldn't know that. She's like, yeah. Oh, it's yesterday. That's nice. So, so Gord, you talk about sports events, and then uh, the, the Beatles. Is there any uh, concerts that you guys could potentially uh, look at? Uh, providing live to the uh, what a great to the audience. Jack. No, we have done concerts historically. Yeah. Um, do do yeah, do a joint venture with the other stock we own, which is Live Nation. It's all about the experience, uh, Gords. You you do you own some Live Nation? There's a name you want to look at. Yeah. No. I mean, obviously, there's parallels there, but I mean, we're doing. I mean, we're doing opera right now, but um, we, we have done 
uh, some rock concerts historically. We've done some launch events with bands historically, too. So, sorry, you said you're doing opera, uh, live opera? Yeah, live opera from the Met. Isn't that something? I had a little journey to uh, Vienna, and I was in the Vienna, the Viennese uh, Opera House. What a beautiful, beautiful uh, venue that was. I didn't watch an opera. I watched actually a ballet. Um, you mentioned and- Live Nation, Wolf. Uh, you talk about a company that has a monopoly on a mm-hmm. business, so the, the live concert business and the live ticket business. If you're buying tickets and seeing something live, chances are it's through Live Nation. Yep. Well, excuse Cine- you mentioned Monopoly. I know where no, you're going with this, Jack, because Cineplex has So one a of the reasons, one of the names, or a lot of the names that we have have Monopolies on their business, and Cineplex has almost 80% market share in Canada. But, but you know, Jack's line to that is actually very brilliant, folks. Jack always says, companies who have a Monopoly don't want to tell you and let you know they have a Monopoly. They want to show some vulnerability so that the Competition Bureau uh, doesn't uh, put the thumb on them. But, Scott, uh, I'm going to quick wrap here, but can I ask you a quick question? Uh, with, how big is your, your Canadian market share of film? And is, is it correct? About 80%? It's about, 80. It's about 75%, actually. So, so the Competition Bureau, how do you get away with that? Um, look at the when Competition Bureau reviews transactions, they look at you know the benefits for consumers versus you know potential detriments to suppliers. So yeah. you know everyone's satisfied. Look at I think what we've done is ticket prices today are actually at about the same amount as they were when we acquired Famous Players. So you know I think we're investing, uh, we're creating jobs, and um, we're providing great experiences for Canadian consumers. And, and I like the work you do with Covenant House. You mentioned people go through the Covenant House program. You're willing to interview them for a job, correct? Yes, we do. I, I, I tip my hat to you. Um, look, in, income income investors, as one of, say, 25 or 35 ideas in your portfolio, the 7% dividend yielder, Jack and I own it. Uh, we think our dividend is safe. Gord, is our dividend safe? Okay, we have a model. We've uh, historically grown the dividend every year since, um, since we've converted to a corp. Um, you know, we have a measured growth plan and, uh, you know, we've been able to execute against it and support those dividend increases each year. Correct. I, I see that your dividend, well, let me just get this up here. Your dividend currently is, how much is it? It's yeah, just over, it's it's $1.80. It's $1.80. Coming up 10 years ago, it was, was about $1.40, correct? Yeah. Yeah, so you know, you've done that as well, growing your dividend. Well, we need income, certainly if we are retired. Uh, names like this add, may make some sense. Jack and I also own some A&W. We own a little bit of keg. We own a little bit of bank stocks. That's how you get yield in a low-rate environment. But you have to spread your money around. You can't just put all your name into a well into an oil stock or any of these names. You, you need to diversify yourself. I'm getting the wrap. Uh, Gordon Nelson, CFO of Cineplex. It's an absolute pleasure. I wish you a good summer season at the box office. Uh, keep up the innovation and go wraps go uh, on Hi-Fi Radio. More of it right after this. Making money is the best. So how do you make more money? Come on back after this. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome back to the show. It is Hi-Fi Radio. I'm Wolfgang Klein, a portfolio manager. Yes, a guy who helps people manage their money and compound it and grow it over time. Um, This is the season to get married. It is indeed. And, uh, well, may love be with you always, my good friends. Uh, But, nope, millennials, they're getting married. And, you know, that's all part of the theme. I think it works out to... 
How many millennials per year uh, turning 30, Jack? Uh, Tony Dwyer's household formation work. Do you recall the number? I don't is have the exact number, but what I, what number, I do no, know is the peak number is about, uh, not peak number, three, but peak year is about one or two years away from right now. And I think the peak number is three million people on peak number uh, peak year are, are going to be turning 30. Uh, that makes about sense. Uh, yeah, 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 30. Turn so a 30. lot of economic positive things happen when people get married. Obviously, you talk Obviously. about... Obviously. So you talk about they're going to be buying a home at some point. They're going to be buying all the stuff to fill the home. Then they're going to have kids and they have to buy all the stuff for them. So all these things... Um, you know, help companies that we we, t- we typically buy, and you they're know, good economically. So, so again, with money, I'm I'm trying to teach the audience. I'm trying to teach you, and you know, uh, if you're no longer a kid, uh, but you have kids, I'm trying to teach you to teach your children that the best time to start saving your money is when you're. I'm gonna say in your teens, you need to start to learn in your teen years how to save money because if you if if you can enter into a marriage with some finances and some knowledge of saving money all the more power to you. The problem is most people don't. They say, I'm going to wait till I get married. I'm going to have fun. Which is fine too. You can still have a nice financial plan if you begin at age 30 when the typical person gets married. The good news is, Jack, we have Brittany Sprung hyphen Mitchell in the studio. Yes, she's our producer of Hi-Fi Radio. Um, a very, very fine uh, young Bride, uh, newly married. Uh, Brittany, uh, thank you for producing, of course, the show, and thank you for joining us on the next couple of segments. Uh, thank you for having me. You're welcome. So we got ourselves here the newly married financial checklist. I know you woke up this morning, so I can't wait to hang out with Wolf and Jack, but you did not know we were going to spring this on you. Yes, the newly married financial checklist. So we're, Brittany, we're here to help you. Um, I, I say that because a lot of things have to take place now. And what I don't, what it frustrates Jack and I when we see very intelligent people who have great income make some very big, simple mistakes, which is why even the wealthy, even the the super smart need to hire guys like Jack and I, because there's a lot of mistakes you can make. And if if we can save you from a $50,000 mistake, we've made you $50,000 and we do it all the time for clients. The point I want to make right here, right now is when you get married, one of the first things you need to do is you need to speak to your HR. You need to communicate with them that you now have a spouse are there going to be shared benefits? Do you currently have a group RSP? If so, you want to name your new spouse as the beneficiary of the RSP because if you don't and you pass, the government is going to tax you at source, whereas you could have that tax deferred. Uh, and the more important thing, Brittany, is dialogue must begin as soon as possible. Is one of you inheriting the other person's debt? Because technically you are. And that can be a bit of a sore spot. Um, but it gets down to dialogue. So I uh, recently saw a survey that said that over 50% of newlyweds have not talked about their finances before getting married. Over 50%. So let's, 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 let's Another statistic no, no, well, before no. we get to that is I think it's in and around 30% of divorces are caused by finances. In and around that number. It depends on which survey that you ask. But it's, it's definitely a high percentage. I'm going to say it's one of the top three reasons people end up getting divorced and not have a successful marriage. And so, Jack, and I can help you with that. Uh, again, they say 50% of people do get divorced, which is a shame. But uh, if, if 30% of the 50 get divorced for finance reasons, that's a lot of people that I think Jack and I can help you with that. So just turn up your radio. Uh, we're, going to, we're going to help uh, Brittany Sprung hyphen Mitchell. Um Right now. So uh, have you had communication with um, Mr. Mitchell? Yes. What, what's, her, what's your husband's name? Ben. Ben. Uh, Benny. Uh, mm-hmm. So have you has Brit- Brittany and Benny? BB. BB. I like that. Uh, have, t- tell us, what, to, in, in what depth have you discussed money? We pretty much know exactly how much we both make per week, per month, and we know exactly how much debt we both owe. 
so pretty good. You and and you also know how much money you have saved up in RSPs and tax free savings accounts and stuff. Well, we like don't that. have RSPs yet, but we both have tax free savings. Um, we do know how much is in there, but they're pretty much empty now that the wedding's over. Right, right. now, so again, RSPs. I, I I cannot stress this point enough to every single one of you, married, single. It doesn't matter when you begin working. Over your working career, one of your biggest expenses in life, and for many of us, it is the biggest expense, and it is taxes. The only way, one of the easiest ways you can defer and minimize your tax bill is by putting money into an RSP. Uh, so you must begin with that, um, uh, Brittany. But something else, let's go back now to communication in terms of debt. Um, most couples, I don't think, go into a equal financial position. Um, in your situation, Brittany, is, is there a big delta between the debt between the two of you? There was just because, so Ben is actually graduating next Saturday. Woo. So Aww. he was in school for three years. So I worked two jobs to kind of like support us. He definitely got OSAP. So that helped out a little bit, but he has school debt now that we're both going to try to pay off together. That way it ends sooner. Um, so definitely I was the person bringing in the most amount of money, but he just got hired full time. So now we're on like a level playing field. And, uh, in terms of your rent, you're obviously cohabitating. Yeah. Uh, you're renting. Yeah. And how much is rent costing you? 1650. 1650. For a one bedroom. For a one bedroom. Yeah. That is difficult. That yeah. is so difficult. Is it in the city? Yeah. It's on St. Clair and like Christie area. Oh, so you also, you got yourself a very, very nice urban spot. You're having yeah. fun. Yep. Yeah. And how long have you been married now? Uh, actually, it was a month, a few days ago. Yeah. Yep. So, so Jack, uh, please. I, I would say, Wolf, they really got off on the right foot as far as I'm concerned. I'll tell you why. Mm -hmm. uh, because open lines of communication in terms of where they're at financially is so important. Like I said, 50% of people, you're ahead of 50% of people out there. So that's a pretty good start, right? <laughs> I don't want a divorce. <laughs> you you well, don't want a divorce. You no. don't because that's a very costly financial yeah. mistake too, but uh, we won't right. even go there for the time being. But, but both, you, uh, both you and Benny are under 30, correct? Uh, he's 29, I'm 25. Yeah, you're, yeah, you're 20. So you're, you're, you're in very good shape from a time point of view. But this is, again, the most important thing that the good Lord has given you is time. And this, if you and take you, advantage of that, boy, can Jack and I ever help you out a lot. When but you I, have time, like you do in front of you, Brittany, what you want to do is set some goals. You want to set some short-term, long-term goals. Talk to Ben. Figure out what's important to both of you. Speaking of time, though, guys, it's up. There we you gotta go. go to the next segment. All right, you are listening to Hi-Fi Radio. We got uh, uh, Brittany Sprung Hyphen Mitchell, uh, also our producer of the show. Uh, she's newly married. Uh, Jack and I are working out this newly married financial checklist. So if you know someone who's newly married, wake them up, get them tuned into Hi-Fi Radio, and we can help get that marriage off to a sprung of a start, my good friend. Uh, more of it on this show right after this. Stay with us. There's more shows still to come. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Welcome back to the show. It is Hi-Fi Radio. It's a show about money. Money matters, my good friends, and well, money can keep the love alive um, if well, it's available and if it's understood. But no, Jack, you mentioned 13 tips for, uh, for, for newlyweds. Um, you've been all over setting financial goals. That's actually point number three. It's a very, very good bull. But let's go into point number four in terms of creating a budget to dovetail into those financial goals. Because newlyweds, Jack believes, I believe, 
if you're going to have bambinos and you're going to stay in the city for an extended period of time, you want to try to begin saving for a home. And that must be such a daunting, daunting challenge in this day and age. So let's speak about uh, a few of your goals, Brittany. Um, have you and Ben uh, set some goals? And, and what, what are the most important goals to you right now? Well, the wedding was the first goal. And now kind of we want to save for a house, but we also want to try to pay off as much debt as possible. So I'm kind of like stuck in a spot where I'm like, I want to throw all my money on our debt. But then also I know we should be saving for a home because I do want to buy a home in the next three years. Right. Um, so the suggestion that I would have for you, Brittany, you can you can do both, right? You can save for your home and also pay off your debt. You do it through an RSP. And you reduce taxes there. You for absolutely do it yeah. through an RSP because what you put into that RSP, you get to tax defer it. You can use the tax savings, put that towards your debt. And again, I'm not going through all the details obviously here, but just generally speaking. So you can put that towards your debt. And then for your first time home purchase, you can take out $35,000 each. each. That's 70 grand. Right. As your down payment, you do have to repay that over 15 years, but you get a two year buffer before you just have to start repaying it. So it basically allows you to save for that, save for that first time home tax deferred in little bite sized pieces. And you want to get on a monthly savings program it's to a, do that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so here, here's the point. I'm going to take it a step further. Um, I'm going to say on average, you have about $8,000 of, of RSP room. Uh, that's a big number. You say, there's no way I'm going to put 8000 into an RSP. And why would I do that? Uh, because you want to buy a home. But again, if you put $8,000 into an RSP in the year of 2019, um, Brittany, if you put eight grand into an RSP, the government will then send you back, I'm going to say roughly uh, $2,000. They're going to give you roughly $2,000 back. You can take that $2,000 and pay off some debt. Now you have 8000 in an RSP. And you're going to do it the following year and the following year until you get about $35,000 into it. So let's say that takes you five years to get the $35,000. Well, over the five years, you've paid back $10,000 in debt because every time you get a tax refund, you use that refund to pay off debt. But now you got $35,000 in an RSP. Benny would have the same. That's $70,000. That's a start for some type of a down payment. And the uh, way you save in that RSP is not at the end of the year putting $8,000 into the RSP. You do it on a monthly basis. You do it on a bite size. On a paycheck Where you can paycheck, actually, yeah, paycheck. line it up with your cash flow. Make sure that it makes sense. You don't have to put the full amount in. But the other thing that you can do as well is put as much as you can. And then at the end of the year, top it up. You potentially use a credit line to do that. And then use the, the tax return or the, the okay. tax savings to pay off that debt as well. So it depends on how you're structured. You obviously have to make your monthly service payments towards your debt, but you can knock the principal down very quickly with a lot of that tax savings. Now, so, so again, uh, Brady, I want to give you a couple of the points here that you, you have to need to look at. Uh, number one, did you and Benny set up a joint bank account? Not yet, no. You, you want to set up a joint bank account. Um, and then number two, you need to get yourself what's called powers of attorney in place because you now have some money and you have some debt and so does Benny. Um, if something were to happen to you and, and power of attorney while you are alive but incapacitated uh, would give that person access to your uh, finances so they can continue to take care of things. Uh, I.e. point number six is have a designated bill pair. Uh, do you have a designated bill pair, someone who pays the cable and the rent? Or do you guys just do it together? Because the suggestion is have one person do it. I know Kathleen oh. pays all our bills. That way, if one doesn't get paid, I get to yell at her. Oh. <laughs> but she, of course, pays all the bills nice and on time. Um, but one person do the job. Uh, so I, I do find that the, the best family outcomes is when both participants are in the know. But one person tends to They also understand it. their roles because different roles. In terms of investments, obviously, you drive the investment 
uh, portfolio for your family, Wolf, where do. she does the day-to-day transactions, which is important too. Very important. Yeah, so I, I do believe in... in, in, in uh, Delegating. And, 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 and deline- delineating, roles. assigning specific tasks to each party as opposed to... I guess like that probably would be me. I feel like that is because I pay our car insurance, our car payment. We don't have internet, so like it's just like free Wi-Fi for my landlord. Now, the other thing I would I would encourage you to do because I bet you'd get yourself a small rebate. Call your insurance companies and let them know you're now married because married people tend to live a little bit longer than single people and married people tend to be less reckless than single people. So I bet you could save a little bit of money uh, on insurance. But again, you know, saving pennies matters. Saving bigger dollars matters even more. And I go back to the importance of managing taxes uh, and, and managing a budget. Uh, it's not exciting stuff. It's not. Uh, it's very important. And talking about money is intimate. Uh, so... Maybe approach it when you're having a good time and uh, just throw in a few little things. A lot of it's common sense too, Wolf, which a lot, as you said earlier in the show, a lot of people sometimes, you know, omit that common sense Uh, through their day-to-day finances. We, we, we see it all. Brittany, we had a person come into our office and they, they had about a million dollar mortgage and they had about a million dollars sitting in the bank. And they didn't know what to do. They didn't understand why that was a mistake. I said, well, your mortgage is costing you almost $30,000 a year in interest payments after taxes, which means you must earn about $60,000 to pay the 30, and the bank is paying you virtually 1%, which you're paying tax on. So it just, these simple things, so many people don't do them. Having a will, understanding where insurance fits into the equation, having a very straightforward financial plan, which means a savings plan and a, and, and a spending plan. Um, and these are the things where I think Jack and I can really, really help people. We're always open for free discussions. That's what we do as part of our philanthropy and giving back to the community. Uh, and that's what this show is all about. It is Hi-Fi Radio. It's a show about money. Uh, Jack and I love what we do, and we do it in a very, very intimate fashion. Money, that is. Uh, I want to wish you all a great weekend. Uh, Brittany Sprung-Mitchell, uh, may you have a long, loving marriage. And Jack and I are going to make sure that you don't get divorced because of finances. No, 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 no. Uh, never happened not if you listen to this show. <laughs> uh, all the best to you, my good friends. And uh, Jack and I look forward to being with you next weekend as well. You've been listening to Hi-Fi Radio with Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle, portfolio managers at Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management. For questions about today's show or any money questions you need answered, email Wolf and Jack at WolfgangKlein.com. Hi-Fi Radio, for the love of money. We'll see you next week.